Hello and welcome, everybody, to the Thursday edition of Jury Daily. My name is Justin Robert Young. Joining you again from the Brushwood Studios in Austin, Texas. Uh, Had a little bit of a frustrating morning, friends. I'm going to let you into my world. Uh, I've been out here in Austin banking episodes. Got another big day of recording episodes of weird things and night attack to make sure that we can fill in for the upcoming uh, vacation in uh, a few weeks. But the flight going out, canceled. Mm. Always a bummer. I don't know what it is. You know, there's there, there's just, I think the, the large frustration that people have with travel is, number one, it's expensive. And number two, it removes your sense of freedom. You are doing what you are told. You are taking your shoes off, taking your laptop out of the bag. You are taking off items of clothing. You are doing all this for the benefit of the system. So all of a sudden you pay hundreds of dollars. I mean, like how often do you pay hundreds of dollars for anything? And then the the, the people that give it to you just say, nope, (laughs) you can't have it. That's not happening. We'll give you another one. And you're like, no, but that's not what I paid for. If I wanted to book this other flight, I would have booked this other flight. No. The answer, unfortunately, is you have no say in the matter whatsoever. <laughs> so another day in in Austin, or at least another night in Austin, and then uh, I'll be out at least on a nonstop flight, which, you know, all things considered is not the worst thing in the world. I'll tell you guys another story out here in Austin. Um, so I'm staying in the nascent Seven Acre Schwood. God knows what it will eventually be called. It is currently undergoing a tremendous metamorphosis. Uh, when I first showed up to the house, it was an empty slab of concrete. A, this morning, it uh, was an erected structure of a warehouse I'm sure that by the time that I go back there tonight in my unexpected third night on the property, it will indeed have a roof. There was a there was a door being put up last thing uh, that I saw. So everything's happening at the zoo. And, uh, you know, the, unfortunately, inside the actual house that is on the property, uh, things are still fairly ramshackle. You know, they're, they're about to demo... A lot of it, they're going to rebuild all of it. I'm sure the next time that I come to Austin, it'll look like an entirely new property. Unfortunately, for me, right now, it looks like, well, an abandoned haunted house. So as you might imagine, as cool as the story of like, oh, I'm sure at some point years down the road, when this is, you know, some iconic fixture of internet lore, I'll be able to say, oh, you want to know who one of the who, who the first the guest, regular guest of this property was, why it was old Justin Robert Jerbs. And that'll feel good. But for now, it certainly feels like I'm sleeping in an abandoned haunted house. So you have to imagine that, you know, as you're going to sleep, I, I, I'm not a scare easy fellow. I have a fairly good grip on rationality. And so when I lay down my head and I hear creaking and slamming and 
uh, all the the noises and pops that that happen when you are in a breezy area in the hill country of Austin and you're next to a road so you're hearing road noise I, I I'm, I'm generally able when I am of sound mind I'm able to you know uh, know what's happening I don't always think that there's a murderer about to make his way into my room and kill me. Although also part of my rationalization is if I do get murdered, either by spectral or supernatural means, or by the fact that there is a serial killer who notices that there is an abandoned house with somebody sleeping in it, well, I figure it'll just add to the lore. There's a rich history at this place, and I can just be another more recent addition to the Wikipedia. Besides, if I got killed there while it was getting renovated, I mean, I could probably at least get part of the house named after me. That'd be pretty sweet. So it's usually when I am going into sleep, falling asleep, or maybe even waking up as I was the first night that I stayed here. Because I swear to God, when I open my eyes, the first morning that I was here, I could have sworn that it was because somebody had opened the door. Friends, not the door in the front, not the front entrance door, but the door to my room in the back. And imagine my horror when I realized that indeed I was right, that I had been woken up by somebody opening the door in the back of the house. And immediately, all I do is think of all the horrifying things that are about to happen to me, that this indeed is the serial killer. This is indeed is the spectral ghost man that will leave no traces as I choke on my own vomit. And I will know in my final moments on this earth that indeed I have been struck down by some kind of demon. And slowly, the, 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 the shadow comes to me and I have a wave of clarity. And I'm like, well, I mean, I just woke up. This is me being confused. This is me being scared. I am sure that this is the simplest possible solution. Of course. It's my pal, Brian, who owns this building. Probably woke up came to see the property or had some business on the property, decided to wake me up. It was about 8.30 in the morning, so I was on the the, the edge of, uh, you know, uh, time to wake up. So this makes a lot of sense, except Brian was up with me just as late the night before. And of all the traits as a friend that I've known from Brian Brushwood, being the wake-up sheriff has certainly never been one of them. In fact, that doesn't look like Brian at all. It doesn't look like Brian one bit. In fact, this silhouette, as it gets closer to me, step by step by step by step, looks nothing like Brian Brushwood. And then the sunlight hits my attacker's face and it is revealed to be the smiling, cherubic, welcoming visage 
of Jay Brushwood, <laughs> Brian's brother, who I'd been hanging out with the day before and had decided to make sure that the guest in Texas had a nice breakfast. He was bringing me breakfast tacos. Oh, what a delight. What an absolute gift from a good friend. So I told him to please make his way out to the front porch and I'll uh, grab these breakfast tacos with him just as soon as I put on my clothes and see whether or not I shit myself. Today's jury story comes from the Daily Beast. They write, the newest trend in bars, no booze. We read now. It was around 9 p.m. in a corner bar off the main drag in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Two good friends and I raised a froth-filled cocktail glass, loudest among us, punctuating our cheers with a bellowing, yas! It was an entirely unexceptional scene that could have taken place in one of New York's thousands of bars, but... There was one crucial difference. We were imbibing at Getaway, a two-week-old bar where no alcohol is served. Our highball and coo cups were not filled with the usual whiskey or mezcal, but a hodgepodge of gussied-up mocktail ingredients like coconut milk and elderflower syrup. Call a square, suckers or both, but we left the bar laughing, arms around each other in that grand drunk tradition. I told one friend how much I love her. We did not need alcohol to get to that happy place, but I'm sure our sugar high helped. Getaway is just one of the latest sober bars to open up in New York. One pop-up listen bar with faux beer and kombucha on tap is currently crowdfunding for a permanent space. Ambrosia Elixirs, which promises the taste of sacred intent in every zero-proof sip, has been in Bushwick for three years and will expand to spaces in Williamsburg and Manhattan this spring. The article goes on to talk about different versions of the same idea in London as well. I don't know about the, I mean, look, in in, the, in cities of many plus millions, there are probably enough people that want to spend a premium on mocktails that a bar like that is appropriate. I, I do think more likely is that, and this is something that I've seen in a bunch of cocktail bars around the Bay Area, is that you will just see more mocktail options. Because there is a trend that millennials are drinking less, less than their forefathers did, which I feel should be all that I need to get myself out of this wretched cohort, but... Ugh. I mean, I guess I did do sober January, so there is this experimentation. I am, I am flirtatious with sobriety when my wife makes me. But I, when I was doing sober January, I would have liked, you know, there for there to be, you know, I think we wound up getting a bottle of this like no booze gin, so we could have gin and tonics. We could have no booze gin and tonics. I feel like every once in a while, you know, I would I would almost say if I had a bartender, I'm like, hey, look, I'm here regularly. If you see me getting a little bit too gassed up, just fucking slip me the old change up here and again. 
you know, so I keep drinking. I'm probably not going to notice the difference. But at the end of the day, maybe I'm, I'm taking a round off, even if I don't know it. I feel like that's the way to go. That's where that, that that's that's where the real money is. Otherwise, I'm not paying eight dollars for a fucking mocktail, my man. I mean, it better be a really cool fucking place. Like I, I can't. I'm the, otherwise. I'm not. I mean, get get the fuck out. Now, if it's a meat market and I was single, now we're talking. Now we're cooking with gas. In fact, that might be like Tinder bait. Oh, meet me at the alcoholist bar. Non-threatening. Interesting. Mm, you want to know what? Now I'm bullish. I talked myself into this shit. What do you guys think? Well, let's go ahead and get into our emails. You can always email the show at jurydaily at gmail.com. Again, jurydaily at gmail.com. We begin with scale. Uh, Again, on our week-long obsession with uh, the the death wish, the the bloodlust of Game of Thrones fans, Scale writes, while what's-his-name's idea about the, the Death Wish phenomenon being related to hoping for the optimum uh, story via the wrestling, who turns heel, gets the belt, is mostly true. I think especially in the case of Game of Thrones, it's more true to say that this is about narrative consistency. In the Game of Thrones universe, both literally and narratively, life is cheap and people die. If that suddenly becomes false, it undermines both the deaths that happened before and the story going forward. It's like you were making a zombie survival TV show like The Walking Dead or Z Nation and established that when a character gets bit by a zombie, you get get sick and die, reanimate as a zombie and bite people, and those are the rules. If you as the writer suddenly decide, yeah, I like this character, the audience like this character, I've got a great story arc for them, including a love interest in the next season, I'm just going to ignore that they got bitten in episode three, people will be pissed off. You can't just break the rules you've established. Sometimes the rules, like zombie bites, are obvious. Sometimes the rules, like the cheapness of life, are more subtle. But they are there. Consciously or unconsciously, the audience will react to the breaking of those rules. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Brisket on French toast sounds delicious, but I'd go with maple syrup and not chocolate. Chocolate is nasty when combined with anything other than raspberries. Yeah, even peanuts fight me. Well, I'm going to uh, decline your offer of fisticuffs, but I will challenge you that I believe Game of Thrones has been very consistent. I, I believe that they say death happens in times that are not battles. Battles are often places where people survive. More people died, more people that we cared about died in the Battle of Winterfell than died in the Battle of the Bastards or that died in the Battle of Blackwater, the two biggest battles that we have seen in the show. So who's paying attention and who's just making up their own fan fiction? My dude, Michael Keeper agrees with me, says, I dislike the fan death obsession with GOT. Although there were several characters that would have preferred to have died sooner, Cersei lasted too long. I was happy when Littlefinger Littlefinger died. Thanks, Mike from Wabasha. Well, thank you, Mike. 
Bo writes, while I understand your questioning about too few characters die, how do you feel about people who say that they are done forever with the show or movie series because a character died or had their story in? As an example, not specific to current events because we're uh, avoiding spoiling, a friend's wife swore off the Harry Potter series once the character Sirius Black was killed in the fifth book and has never read the last two books or watched the remaining movies released after that. To me, it feels like this is a lesser in investment in the story as a fan and you are missing out on a great deal of potential enjoyment from taking this path. Also, I have to know, is the brisket on French toast sliced or chopped? This is relevant to my interest, and if you find a restaurant here in Austin that can offer such a delicacy, I would campaign to have the dish named after you, Bo, and he is based out here in Austin, Texas. The brisket was sliced, not chopped, so it did drape so delicately over the French toast. As for people who say that they are done with a series because their favorite character dies, fucking grow up. I mean, honestly. Well, looks like we did not get enough high thoughts. We will keep them for next week. I guess people were busy. People were industrious this week. Good for you. Uh, productive thoughts. Uh, productive thought is that we didn't have enough uh, thoughts for high thoughts. I want to thank our producers. I want to thank our producers, The Gen, PD Rave, Nonspecific, Rock and Roll Martian, Joe Acosta, Will, James, The OG, Brito, Will, Chris, Bill, Dustin, BioCal, Robert H., Brian Z, M, Dre, The Melodica Man, Adam, Middle Age, Mike, and Harry Lee Smith. You can email us, uh, Justin, or sorry, jurydaily at gmail.com, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Justin R. Young. Please go ahead and support us over there at payjurydaily.com, and you can join our Discord at bit.ly slash jury. Discord. I want to thank MacBook Pro for getting us the jury story of the day. Until next time, friends, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying please give a round of applause to Mr. Webb. More importantly, please go. Go! Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>